The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. I honestly am overwhelmed with joy to have Jimmy back, man. I mean, I, I really am. I, I don't know. It's like, it's just coming, it's coming out of me, man. And I, uh, so, so you guys know that I'm involved in, in baseball chapel uh, and the Lord's giving me a really cool opportunity to minister to uh, the T-Bones uh, over there. And um, ne- next week is the last home game of the year for them. And, uh, and so it'll be the last chapel service that we get to host for the 2018 season. Uh, and, and I'd ask Jimmy if, if he'd be willing to, to uh, fill in for me next weekend, just because uh, I'll be busy with uh, baby stuff, right? Molly is uh, due tomorrow. Uh, they're going to go in and, and take the little guy or, or girl, we don't know yet, out. out. And uh, so we're really excited about that. But anyways, I had Jimmy go with me yesterday uh, to minister to the team. And, uh, and it, man, that is just such, I can't I- explain to you guys. You just would have to experience it. And I, I'm glad that Jimmy got to experience it for the first time as well. But it is just such a cool ministry, man. Like, what a rare opportunity that, that we get to invest in these guys uh, with scripture and with prayer and, and with motivation to continue in their walks with the Lord, like these guys play every Sunday, right? They don't have a church. They are, most of these guys live uh, out of state, like their families and their wives live out of state. A few of the guys out of the country, right? There was a guy yesterday who's from South Africa, Johannesburg. And so anyway, uh, just a really neat opportunity, but uh, Jimmy had, had shared something with the guys and, uh, and I just, I guess I've never really put, put it together in my own life, but it's true that, you know, that Jesus, it, like he is spiritual, right? Like he is spirit. He's omnipresent, right? The, like the Lord Jesus is everywhere. Like he's in this church. He's in any other tr- uh, church that is, is spirit-filled, teaching the word of God, praising the Lord Jesus, etc. Man, he's on the road with, with Christians that may be traveling, etc. Man, the Lord is everywhere, right? And there's no doubt he is here with us this morning. Um, but in a spiritual sense, he's everywhere, right? But Jesus Christ is in the believer, right? He literally and physically in every way dwells in the body of of the believer. And so me, Jimmy, you guys, anybody in this room with faith in Jesus Christ, the spirit of God lives in them. And therefore we are the body of Christ. And like, we are the physical Jesus for one another, right? And so Jimmy is the physical Jesus for me. Like I, I've never laid eyes upon the Lord, um, but I can experience more of what Jesus is like because of Christ in Jimmy. And that's so encouraging to me. And, and what he was sharing with the guys yesterday on the team was, man, like the, what they were missing was this idea that they were like stoking each other's fire, you know, like they were feeling a little bit dead, a little bit dry spiritually. And it's because they weren't stoking each other. They weren't fanning each other's flame, so to speak, right? And, um, and I, that's what, man, like, that's what Jimmy does for me. Like, when we're hanging out together, like, I, whether we're bow hunting together, we're going to eat in a Mexican restaurant, you know, or whatever. I mean, we're staff meeting, hanging out, who knows what, playing basketball at Lifetime, which has been a while. Uh, out of shape, bro. <laughs> but it's, what, what's awesome is that, like, God has given us each other to, to keep each other white hot, you know? Like when I'm around Jimmy, man, my flame is, is, on, is on full blast, you know? The propane is all the way 
up. I don't have a choice other than to just absolutely in every way rejoice about the Lord Jesus, no matter what we're doing. It's not just on Sunday, right? And so uh, anyways, man, I'm, I'm overwhelmingly excited to have them back, and um, what, a, what a privilege. And so uh, our standards, bro, have gone down a little bit since you've been gone, <clears throat> but uh, no, no doubt about it, man, uh, the worship and the word and the fellowship has been absolutely incredible uh, since you guys have been gone, and I thank the Lord that you guys are still here. <laughs> they didn't come back to an empty church, uh, but anyway... Um, uh, what a privilege it is for us to gather. Like, as you guys were singing, man, my heart was so full. Like, it's just, you know, it's nice to be in the front because I can hear you guys from the back, man, and it just uh, is awesome. Like, it, that is what heaven will be like. We will be singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All the days of our lives for all of eternity, we will sing praises under the Lord. Like, that's what we will doing. That's what we'll be doing, and I promise you, it won't be boring. <laughs> we will love it, man. It will be an amazing experience. And so when we get to gather uh, together, that's why like the book of Hebrews says, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves, man. Don't abandon fellowship with one another. And there, there's people out there trying to do, trying to do the Christian life. They're, they're trying to uh, grow spiritually or, or, or nurture their spirit absent from the body. I tell you right now, not possible. Okay, not possible. You will not grow in Christ if you are separating yourself from the body. And so, man, and, and it takes just a, a morning service like this to remind you how good and how sweet fellowship is with one another. And so join us, certainly, after this service for, or for a potluck and, uh, and, and really more of just a, a, a food breaking of bread celebration with one another, another great opportunity uh, for fellowship. So here we are, right? First Samuel, we're in chapter nine. Uh, you know, Israel demands a king in chapter eight, right? They, as, as we recapped last week, uh, uh, Israel wanted to be like the other nations, right? They, they, they didn't, they, uh, they were done with, with Samuel being a judge over them. They were ready for a monarchical type reign, having um, uh, uh, Samuel appoint for them a king. They ask of Samuel, Give us a king, right? And God tells Samuel, honor that, honor that, right? And it hurt Samuel's heart, but he said, okay, Lord, you know, nevertheless, your will be done, right? And so I think there's, uh, there is a, a little nugget in there for us to, to, to do that often. There, there's times where the Lord, and I shared this with us last week, but there's times when the Lord sometimes asks us to do things that are uncomfortable or maybe that seem difficult or hurt our heart or are contrary to our own desires, but it is a blessing and a privilege to say, nevertheless, Lord, your, your will be done. You know, he's indeed, his plans are good. And so we find ourselves here um, where uh, Saul is uh, getting ready to be anointed as king. But what I want to speak on today is the process in which Saul gets connected with Samuel. The process in which God, uh, I want y'all to pay attention as I read through chapter nine, some of the details around how God actually set up this appointment between Saul and Samuel and how God led Saul to, to be aware, I'm sorry, God led Samuel to be aware that Saul was indeed the one to be uh, chosen as, as the first king of Israel and also how God led Saul uh, into 
uh, an awareness that indeed God was showing him what his plans for Saul were uh, in meeting with Samuel. So nonetheless, let's get uh, into scripture. Um, I'm going to read in the entirety of chapter 9, and we'll teach through it, okay? Verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 9. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, son of Becherath, son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power, or in other words, a mighty man of valor. And he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his head, uh, from his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people, right? We, we read these two verses last week, how Saul, man, this was a handsome boy, right? He's tall. He was very commanding. His presence was impressive. He was fit to be a king physically. Uh, and so anyways, he was a very, very impressive man. Now it says in verse three, now the donkeys, take note, now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, please take one of the servants with you. Arise, go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalisha, but they didn't find him. Then they passed through the land of Shalim, and they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, did not find them. When they had come to the land of Zuf, Saul, which the land of Zuf, by the way, is, is close to Ramah, where Samuel lived, okay? Land of Zuf, close to Ramah, where Samuel lived. Verse five, Saul said to his servant who was with him, come, let us return or let us go back unless my father stopped caring about the donkeys and he start worrying about us. And he said to him, look, now there is, this is the servant speaking to Samuel, uh, I'm sorry, servant speaking to Saul, okay? And he said to him, look, now there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. Then Saul said to his servant, but look, if we go, what do we bring the man? For the bread in our vessels is all gone, and there is no present to bring to the man of God. What do we have? It was customary, uh, if you look all throughout the Old Testament, to bring a gift when, when a prophet or a seer was visited for some wisdom, Okay. And the servant answered Saul again and said, look, I have here uh, at hand a fourth of a shekel of silver. Uh, I'll give that to the man of God to tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spoke thus, come, let us go to the seer. Uh, for he who is now called a prophet used to be called a seer. Verse 10, then Saul said to his servant, well said, come, let us go. So that they went into the city where the man of God was. As they went up to the hill to the city, they met some young women going out to draw water. And they said to them, is the seer here? And they answered them and said, yes, there he is. He's just right over there ahead of you. Hurry now, for today he came to the city because there's a sacrifice of the people today on the high place. Kind of interesting here, a little nugget that Samuel is a, uh, acting here as a priest, right? He's administering uh, a sacrifice for the people. So kind of interesting. He was a, uh, he, he was a judge uh, and a priest. Samuel carried many, many roles uh, for the people of Israel. As soon as you came into the city, you will. As soon as you come into the city, you will surely find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now, therefore, go up, and about this time you'll find him. 
So they're, they're, they're being directed by the women at the well, right? The ladies at the well are pointing them to Samuel, okay? God's starting to give Saul a little bit of clarity. or so I'm sure Saul's probably starting to feel like, hmm, the Lord may be up to something here, right? Uh, before, he's looking for donkeys. Now these ladies are telling him, because his servant recommended that he go and seek some counsel from a godly man, now these ladies are pointing him into the city uh, up on a hill where this feast is taking place of sacrifices, right? And so verse, uh, let's see, where did I end up? Verse 14. So they went up to the city. As they were coming into the city, there was Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. Listen to this. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear, the, the voice of the Lord, uh, the day before Saul came and said, tomorrow, about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because their cry has come to me. So when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, there he is, the man of whom I spoke to you, this one shall reign over my people, right? So it's, it's, it's fascinating that God spoke to Samuel, right? And if you guys remember, if you were here or if you weren't, you can go back and listen. Early in the series, about six or seven weeks ago, we talked about the voice of God, right? We talked about the ways in which the Lord communicates to us, right? God has gone to extremes to communicate to us, right? Communicates through dreams, through visions, through his word, through the still small voice, right? We talked about six or seven different ways that God himself, the audible voice, right? There's people in scripture that have literally heard the audible voice of the Lord. And so um, um, anyways, God has gone to extremes to communicate with us and he's done the same thing here with Samuel. This is, there's a pattern in Samuel's life of hearing the voice of the Lord, right? There's a pattern uh, that people recognize Samuel as a man of God, that the servant Saul's servant said, we should go see this man. There was some confusion with the donkeys and what they were doing, and they no doubt they traveled very far places to look for these donkeys, and yet, you know, there was a man of God. It was Samuel that was sought out for counsel. He was esteemed as one who knew the Lord. May that be true for us as well. Like, you, you, you know um, that God is working in you when people come to seek counsel from you because they believe that you have relationship with the Lord and you can guide them and shepherd them and point them to Jesus, right? So um, it says, uh, verse 18, then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and he said, please tell me, where is the seer's house? Samuel answered Saul and said, I'm the seer. Uh, go up before me to the high place for you shall eat with me today. And tomorrow I'll let you go and will tell you all that's in your heart. What a joy, man. I'm sure Saul was stirring, right? Like he had these, he's like, what is going on, man? I was first looking for donkeys. Then I went to the well. The, the, you know, then these ladies pointed me to the high place. Uh, now I'm meeting with this guy, Samuel. I, I was asking him who the seer was. He tells me it's him. And now I stand before the man of God uh, and, and he's invited me to this feast, right? And so he's, I'm sure he's like, he is looking for some clarity, right? And so when Samuel tells him, I will give you some clarity, man. That had to be uh, quite a relief for Saul here. And so uh, verse 20, listen to this. 
But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, so they had been wandering, looking for these donkeys for three days. If I, like, when I get, uh, I get a little anxious whenever I feel like I lack direction, and I, can, I cannot sit still, you know, I don't rest very well. It's something I need the Lord's help with. But three days, man, with just complete, like, no direction, dude, I would be, I would be boogered up, man. Just been like, are you kidding me? Man, if it's three days, like, where are these donkeys? How fast can a donkey be? You know, I mean, goodness gracious. So, but he says in verse 20, do not be anxious about them, for they've been found, and on whom is all the desire of Israel. Is it not on you and on all of your father's house? It was no doubt in this moment, Saul is going, huh? Is not all the desire of Israel. He, I wonder if in this moment, he's like, what do you mean, Samuel? What do you mean by all the desire of Israel? Like, I've heard some rumors that they've been chanting for a king, you know? I've heard some chatter about how uh, there's gonna be a guy raised up to be the, the first king of Israel, unprecedented man, right? He's going, ooh, you know, is he talking about me? We move on, he says uh, in verse 21, and Saul answered and said, this is Saul. Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? Am I family the least of all the families in the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you speak like this to me? Samuel, man, this is feeling a little bit heavy, you know? Now Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the hall and had them sit in the place of honor among those who were invited. There were about 30 people, 30 persons. And Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portion which I gave you, of which I said to you, set it apart. So the cook took up the thigh which, uh, with its upper part and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, here it is, that which was kept back, it was set apart for you. Eat, for until this time it has been kept for you, since I said I invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel on that day. It's customary for when someone brought an offering to the tabernacle to, uh, to present to the Lord that the, um, a, you know, a portion, the back half of the offering, uh, which was the best part, right? The hindquarters or the best part of the animal, that would be the offering that went up unto the Lord, that it was burned. The, uh, one of the shoulders would be given in return uh, as a feast for the person that presented the offering as provision, and the other uh, front shoulder would be given to the priest, and it was considered to be a very uh, good portion for the priest in appreciation and thanksgiving for uh, their service in the tabernacle and in the temple, right? And so Samuel here set aside his portion, the, the choice portion uh, for Saul, okay? Verse 25, when they had come down from the high place into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the top of the house they arose early, and it was about the dawning of the day that Samuel called to Saul on the top of the house, saying, get up, that I may send you on your way. And Saul arose, and both of them went outside, he and Samuel. As they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And he went on, but you stand here a little while, that I may announce to you the word of God." 
Man, what an incredible passage here, right? The first king of Israel is going to be anointed, and it is indeed Saul, a young, choice, and handsome man, right? And so um, there's really one, one theme, one thing that I want to bring to you guys today. Not, no, no points, no real big ideas but I, I, in, ter- in terms of structure in your pamphlet, but I want you to know this. Saul was out on mission from his father to go and look for these donkeys. But God had a divine appointment arranged for him to connect with Samuel. And God had already confirmed in Samuel that Saul was going to meet him and that, and, and that he had a divine plan for him to become the king, to lead the people, to overcome the Philistines. God had a blessed plan. Even though the Israelites were, uh, were a little premature in claiming for a king, right? They were a little premature. God had promised them a king, but it was David, right, was the promised king. Saul was not. Yet God, even in their disobedience, even in uh, their um, hurriedness, right, even in their lack of rest and lack of faith, God is still bringing about a blessing upon them. And so God does that for us too, man. When we blow it, God does still bless us. He still looks out for us. He'll teach us through it, though, right? Like we learned last week, God a lot of times will allow us to make those hurried decisions. He will allow us to do things outside of his will. He will allow us to do things that he knows possibly are even damaging to us, but he'll teach us through it. And that should encourage us, right? The Lord will teach us through it. We will draw closer to him and therefore become more and more born in the image of Christ, right? It is a process in our life. But I cannot tell you how many times in my life I have indeed felt like I was chasing donkeys. Man, I can't, to this week, I felt like I was chasing donkeys this week, right? Um, but I, I'm reminded of my experience in my old job uh, with, with GE, right? I was in medical sales. I sold uh, service contracts on medical equipment. And, like, and I am so thankful that God has moved upon uh, much wiser men and women than me uh, to you know, create these amazing technologies in which our family and friends can, can get a, a more than adequate healthcare and et cetera, et cetera. You know, and and what, what a privilege and a blessing, and I'm not undermining any of that, but I can tell you right now, this guy could care less about service contracts on medical equipment, okay? They are donkeys to me, right? And I was driving all, I mean, you can ask my, my poor wife, she's downstairs, Man, I had, they gave me the Chevy Volt, <laughs> Chevy, but I'm a boots and jeans, truck, four-wheel drive kind of guy, okay? Chevy Volt doesn't fit the mold for this guy, okay? Uh, but I did have a little fun on that thing, man. It was kind of like a go-kart, you know? Seven-gallon gas tank, and you could go like 500 miles, right? It was wild. <laughs> But um, anyway, man, I w- we lived in Arkansas, and I would travel, man. I would be in Jonesboro, six-hour drive. Little Rock, four-hour drive. Pine Bluff, five-and-a-half-hour drive. I remember having to go to um, uh, uh, Texarkana, man. There's no good way to get to Texarkana from northwest Arkansas. you got to go clear down to Little Rock and then all the way down. What a nightmare. You can go to Hope, Arkansas, where Bill Clinton is from, you know, and I would just go on these boondoggles. Like, absolute boondoggles, man. I was literally chasing donkeys, trying to sell service contracts to make a living for my family, right? 
But the most amazing things happened during that season of my life, man. I met a guy named Rich Darling. I love Rich with the, man, the bottom of my heart. This man was a raging alcoholic. This man was one drink away from suicide. He was so in bondage to his addictions. He had five DUIs. He was 40 years old. He'd spent over $200,000 in recovery programs and lawyer fees and every, all, he had breathalyzers, all, the whole works. It was an absolute blessing and miracle of the Lord that he even had a job with GE because he was childhood friends with our general manager over the entire country, right? So the Lord enriches life just continued to have provision over him. He continued to, to shelter Rich, and he, he never stopped pursuing Rich. And what the amazing thing was, is as bad as I hated my job at GE, I was thankful for the checks, no doubt about it. I did get to fish every once in a while when I was passing by a stream after an appointment. That was pretty cool. Uh, but man, for the most part, it was a grind. I felt like I was chasing donkeys. But man, I remember one time, I, we had this appointment at this uh, hospital, Baptist Health Medical Center in Little Rock, Arkansas. Huge opportunity, $40 million contract, probably about $150,000 paycheck on the line for Rich and I both. Unbelievable deal, could have been a life-changing opportunity, but without question, I knew we had lost the deal. There's no doubt, we lost the deal. We, in fact, don't even think we ever had a seat at the table. We were chasing donkeys. But God had a plan. Rich lived in Houston. I lived in Rogers, Arkansas. And God had us meet at Baptist Health Medical Center twice a week for eight weeks. And you know what happened? He accepted Jesus Christ in that, that passenger seat of that vault. And his life is forever changed because of the gospel. And that is the Lord. That is the Lord, man. Like, and Rich, I, to this day, I still talk to him once a week. Now he lives in Minnesota. He's been sober probably two plus years now. Uh, he is on fire for the Lord. This guy stokes my flame. Every time I get bummed out about the donkeys that I'm chasing in my life, I'm reminded of the story of Rich Darling. We talked about having a memorial stone, right? Like a few weeks ago, we talked about the Ebenezer Stone, right? Samuel set up the Ebenezer Stone, and he he wanted the people to be reminded of the goodness and the faithfulness of the Lord. Man, Rich Darling is an Ebenezer stone in my life. The Lord is so good, man. This guy, he could have been swelled up dead in a hotel room if I didn't share the gospel with this guy. He could have absolutely drowned himself in whiskey and booze. He would drink whiskey by the leader. He was, I mean, this guy was dead. He was so close to dead that God preserved his life and used me. I had an inkling of a willingness to be faithful to the Lord, to drive that stupid Chevy Volt four hours to Little Rock and deliver the gospel to a guy at a meeting for a $150,000 check I knew I would never get. That, man, is how the Lord works sometimes. He just moves like that. Like, if you're feeling today like you've got something in your life or you're in a phase where you're like, that's me, man. I am chasing donkeys. Be encouraged. God, it, it's not about the donkeys. What did Samuel tell Saul? He said, dude, don't worry about those donkeys. They've already been found. God sent you here. God has a plan for you, Saul. Saul, you're not lost and neither are the donkeys. You are gonna be the next king of Israel, Saul. God has your, his hand on your life. 
And the same is true for you in this room today. The same is true for me. Like yesterday, before Baseball Chapel, I had to drive clear out to Manhattan to tour a farm for a family that I knew is not interested in selling. They really just wanted an evaluation on their property in case the lawsuit falls through that they're under and they have to come up with some money they're gonna liquidate the farm. Now I hope they don't, uh, I, hope that never, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope they get to keep their property and I hope that uh, the lawsuit you know, does not go sour for them uh, and all the above. But I'm sitting there thinking, man, it's Saturday. Why am I driving to Manhattan? It's hot, it's 95 degrees out, man. I got jeans on, I'm swampy, man. I'm over it, right? These people don't wanna sell their farm. I'm not gonna make any money. It cost me 80 bucks in gas to get there and back. I, you know, and I had to buy breakfast on the way out because I left early, this and that. You know, I'm thinking, I'm chasing donkeys is the feeling that I've got, right? And even, even during the tour, we're driving. This guy owns almost 200 acres of an island right in the middle of the Kansas River. And so we're driving over sand dunes and there's cactuses and brush everywhere. Ticks all over me, grasshoppers flying left and right, and I'm sitting there going, this dude's not even gonna sell his farm. What, like, what am I doing? My wife has, is gonna have a baby in two days, my kids are at home playing in the yard, and I'm on this island in the middle of the Kansas River. <laughs> I was frustrated, right? But what was so cool is that I was sitting there and I was talking to the Lord, and I'm like, and this guy was talking, and he was a, such a great guy, Jim Carr. And I was like, he was talking, but it was kind of weird, like his voice just kind of faded out. And I was just talking to the Lord, and I'm like, what in the Sam Hill am I doing here, Lord? I'm a little frustrated. I need you to show up, you know? And so anyway, we get back to their house, and he's like, hey, man, you want to come on in for a sandwich? I said, yeah, absolutely, man. I am starving. And his wife, man, so sweet. This couple was in their 70s, man. She cuts up this real nice peach, man. It was crisp. It had been in the fridge, man. It was juicy. Ham and cheese sandwich, mayonnaise. Oh, man, it was good. She had a, fre a cold Snapple, peach diet Snapple. Man, it, there's nothing like, you know the sound, right? What is it? Oh, man, it's good. And uh, it sounds just like that. But uh, anyway, and I sat there, man, and they, they were like asking me, they're like, what do you, you know, what do you do for fun, this and that? And I'm like, well, I love my kids and my family, but I said, I, you know, um, the Lord's got me in ministry. I'm, I, uh, you know, I'm an associate pastor at the church. And they just like, they lit up. They, it, like they got so excited and they were like, well, tell me more. Tell me your testimony, this and that. And I just got to sit there for like an hour and share the goodness of the Lord with them. And they were believers. They knew the Lord. They had a testimony and I got to hear it as well. And Man, it was just sweet fellowship. And I got the feeling, I was reminded, the Lord was like, dude, your trip out here had nothing to do with the farm. Nothing, nothing to do with the farm. It had everything to do with you just encouraging them, man, being a light for the gospel for them. They're already believers, they're Christians, but man, we can get lonely as Christians. When we're not connected to the body of Christ, we get wayward, and God will send people to you to bring you back in, man. I believe that God had used me in that way to kind of stoke their flame for the Lord a little bit. They had, they'd been bogged down with the things of life, right? Like the, an un unfortunate circumstance with a lawsuit and, and, and uh, you know, old, getting into older, a season of age, and, and their kids and their grandkids kind of are all spread out all over the country, and they missed their family and they got this big old house and it's just the two of them and I don't know what all they're going through but I know that when I left there man they were encouraged and the name of the Lord Jesus was high and lifted up no doubt so today I'm going to land the plane here on this 
Just be, be incredibly encouraged, man, uh, in whatever it is that you're going through. Whatever it is that you're going through, the job that you're in. I'm telling you guys, if you hate your job, I know what that feels like. But it's not, it's not the job that the Lord is interested in. It's not, man. It's not. You still have to do your job to get the check. But it's not the job that's of focus. It is the Lord. It is the kingdom of God that is at hand. Jesus said, man, the harvest is plentiful. But what? The laborers are few. There's so many people that are laboring abundantly and aggressively and faithfully to their company, but they just are completely absent-minded about what God is doing in and around their job and their, the people that he has around them. May that not be the case for you guys. When you start to set your eyes upon the things of the Lord, while you're doing your task, while you're filling prescriptions, while you're building the buildings, while you're selling service contracts, while you're slinging land, Keep your eyes open. Keep your ears attuned to what it is that the Lord has you there for. It will blow you away. It will absolutely blow you away. You will have, if you're sitting there saying, man, I don't know if I've ever shared the gospel with somebody. I'm not sure if I've ever had a chance to deliver a testimony. I don't know that I've actually ever encouraged anyone in their faith. Shay, I've never had that experience like you're talking about. Ask the Lord for it. He will bless you. But you have got to have your eyes open and your ears to hear. And you need to be talking to the Lord. Another thing that we had an opportunity to minister to the guys yesterday at Baseball Chapel was, man, a lot of times we get tricked into thinking prayer is like a set-in-time thing. Like we pray before a meal. We pray before a baseball game. We pray that a baby would be healthy when it's born, right? It's like, and that's great. There's a time and a place to have that intimate or specific set-aside time for prayer. But man, why pray all day long? I'm driving down the road talking to the Lord. I'm on a side-by-side in a freaking sand dune on an island in the middle of the Kansas River. I'm talking to the Lord. I'm not even hearing this guy. It's not because I don't care. It's because I'm interested more in what the Lord has going on instead of what the, the, the things of the world that are going on around me, you know? And it's just like talk to him. He will speak. Like, that is such a theme, right? And we talked about it earlier, and we talked about it a few weeks ago, that God goes to extremes to communicate to us. We have got to tune in. It's like a radio station, you know? The music's always playing. But if you don't tune into the station, you'll never hear the music. That is exactly how the Lord is. He's always talking. He's always moving. He's always in the business of blessing those that are found in Christ. He loves us, man, with unending love. And he's abundantly gracious and merciful, right? When we blow it, when our sin is producing death in our life, man, we just lay it down at the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in awe of you. We just lay it down, and we just are covered with love and mercy, and we are risen back up, and we are set back on the narrow path that leads to eternal life. In an instant, no matter how far away from him we are, but it's that communication piece that's so important. So be lifted up. Be encouraged today. If you're chasing donkeys, do not fret. God has a plan. And so as Corey plays us this song, I want you guys to be thinking about what did the word speak to you today on? Take a minute as Corey's jamming and reflect upon, God, exactly where I'm at, Lord, whatever age, whatever, however many kids or grandkids, whatever city I'm in, 
whatever it is that is going on in the immediate future in your life, I'm talking this week, ask him, say, Lord, like, first of all, cast away my fears and my burdens and my anxieties around those activities. Example, for me, Lord, you will take care of whatever financial needs, whatever land sales needs, whatever my client, you will help me with that, Lord. Just as I'm going, you'll help me. And I know that. And I can lay that at the Lord, and that's not a burden that I have to carry. And I can just say, Lord, I I want to see you move. I want to see the kingdom of God break out in my life, in my family's life, in in the people that I'm around, Lord. I wanna see them grow in Christ. Be encouraged in who they are and who Jesus is. And just consistently, Lord, say, I wanna be a vessel or a motivator or the person of inspiration to put Jesus back on the throne in everybody's life. We put Jesus back on the throne in all of our lives and the people around us that we love. Dude, this community will get flipped completely upside down in a positive way. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.